Well, okay, guys, we're going to get started with the sermon today. You're like, that wasn't the sermon, no, that was just the introduction to the sermon, the little, the little intro. This is the sermon. Guys, if you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 is where we're going to be kind of camping out. We're going to be kind of, kind of in there right now. We've been in the book of Matthew, and pretty much this whole sermon series, we've been kind of, kind of jumping around in Matthew. But this week, we're going to be landing in Matthew 10 uh, for the most part of the, of the series. And uh, today, we're wrapping up Disciple. Now, Disciple has been a series that we've been talking about for a few weeks now. And we started off by looking at certain differences and what, what makes a disciple, an actual disciple. Can you all say that word to me? Disciple? Disciple. Disciple, okay? Disciple, we, we looked at how it's different from the word Christian. That disciple kind of carries more weight to it. There's, there's, there's more substance to that word disciple. In the first week, we looked at the fact that to be a disciple, you know, there's, there's no Christians allowed. That to be a disciple, we have to do certain things that are that are above the reproach of what the normal world thinks about what Christianity is. Okay, the next week we learned about being a disciple means to be a fisher of men. That we're supposed to be out looking for men. That we're supposed to be a fisher. That we're supposed to go out looking for men. The third week we talked about how a disciple washes feet. Everyone stepped up that week. Uh, I was sick. Sarah was sick. Y'all stepped up, y'all served, y'all really, we talked about washing feet, y'all, y'all took a picture of me, it looked like I was wearing a dress, but it was really a towel around my waist, and I was pretending like I was washing feet, how we were serving each other. And then last week we talked about how a disciple fellowships with each other, how a disciple breaks bread with each other, how a disciple meets in people's homes, and we, we spend time together, and how the way that we disciple is we come alongside each other, and we live life together. That was last week, and this week we're going to talk about another topic about how, it is, how we're supposed to be a disciple, okay? Now this week we're going to look at the fact that a disciple goes out. A disciple goes out. Now I got a question for you. I got a question for you, and I want you guys to really think about it. If you were dying... Like, say you're in a car wreck, or say so, an attack of deranged gerbils came up and attacked you or something, okay, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, and you're about to die, and there's a TV crew there, there's, there's a camera there on you, for some reason, it's not like Armageddon, when, when, when Bruce Rose was about to die in Armageddon, and he's meditating to his daughter, he's got the last words, and, and the whole world's watching, okay, if you're in that moment, if you're on an asteroid heading to Earth, and you're about to die, okay, and the whole world's watching you, what are you going to say? Like, what is your last words going to be? What is the last thing you're going to say? Let's be honest, the last words of your life should be the most important words of your life. Like everything else in your life is great, but the last thing is like an exclamation point, or is it a question mark, or is it just a little mediocre period? I mean, what is it that we're going to put on the last moment of our life? What would you say? What would you say? It got me thinking about what I would say and, and the things I would say. And, and I started thinking about famous people's last words, and I looked some of them up, and I want to kind of talk to you about those. Famous last words of famous people, okay? Y'all know James Dean? Famous actor, James Dean, you know, died in 1955. This is what he said, famous last words. is, my fun days are over, shortly before his car crashed, okay? Okay, James Dean, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, president. He said this, says, is it, is it the fourth? Like, the last thing he said was, is it the 4th? And he died actually on the 4th of July in 1826. Malcolm X. Malcolm X. 
Civil Rights Movement, Malcolm X, died in 1965. He said this, is cool it, brothers. His last words before being assassinated were cool it, brothers. How ironic is that? Elvis Presley, the king, the king of rock. Elvis Presley, man, said this, I hope I haven't bored you. To include what would be his last press conference. I hope I haven't bored you. Then he went home and he opened George Washington, the great George Washington. I love George Washington. He says, and he died in 1799. He said, it is well. I die hard, but I'm not afraid to go. I wish we had men like him more here in America. And just politically aside, I think America was built on great men. And we have lost those men in America. How many times have you heard a politician say, I've lived a great hard life and it's hard to die, but I'm not afraid to go? How many people have you heard say that? You don't hear it. Um, Terry Allen Capp, um, he was the founding member of the rock band Chicago. Yeah, we're here in Chicago, okay? Um, I don't know a song by Chicago, now I would sing it. It'd be really awkward right now. He says, uh, he, he said this, he said, his last words, don't worry, it's not loaded. Right before he was messing with his friend's pistol and shot himself in the head. Don't worry, it's not loaded. Boom! You know? And so, you know, uh, listen to this one. Listen to this one. This guy said this right before, right before we, 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 lost, we lost him. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the ends of age. Who, who said that, guys? How did we said that? It wasn't Bono. You know, it was Jesus. He said that in Matthew chapter 28. That's actually called um, the Great Commission. Okay, those are the last words. And if you're to summarize the last words of Jesus, we're talking about the last words, the most important words in, that you would say, the last words of Jesus, if you were to summarize that, would be this, go out and make disciples. That was his last, I mean, if you are to summarize all that, go out and make disciples. And we call this great commission, not the great suggestion, because it's not suggested, it's a great commission. Now, if you look closer to the text, you can find out there was a lot more deeper um, context to that, to that scripture. Okay, if you look at the original language, if you look at the, the Greek word for the word go, it's the word poor money. Y'all say it with me. Y'all can't say it with me. Poor money. Not poor money. Poor money. Okay? Poor money. It literally, it literally meant to go, to travel, to depart, to take a journey, to go on a quest, to just leave, okay? The word poor money, to go, to depart, to travel. So when Jesus said, go, he said, poor money. He said, go, to, to go, get out, get out of the way, do something, leave, you know? That's what he's saying. The word commission, the, the definition of the word commission is the act of granting authority to undertake certain tasks. He's saying that he has got to grant you authority. Now, when you're at work and you get a step up in pay or a step up in a raise, your boss grants you the authority to do something of more respectable value, to do something better. And so what Jesus is saying, I grant you, I commission you, I, I give you the authority to go do this or that, whatever it was. Now, with this understanding, we can conclude that the most important thing to Jesus Christ 
But one of the most important things, right before he ascended back into heaven, in the book of in the book of Matthew, was for us to go out, to go out into this world for his name's sake. Now, see, this kind of proves to be a problem for most churches nowadays. And I gotta say, uh, a while back, I was starting to get kind of sucked into this this, this lifestyle of church church mania. Uh, the fact that the, the in America today. What do you see? What's the trend? We want to build bigger churches, bigger buildings, bigger stages and bigger bands and bigger shows so that whenever we are in the church, we have a reason to invite people to church as if Jesus isn't enough, right? And so we build bigger programs, okay? We do all these things so that we can bring people into the church. We, uh, we, 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 uh, we invite people to come into the church. Come do this in the church. Come see this in the church. Come come hear this message in the church. Uh, we uh, promote come to the church. We bring in big bands and big Christian bands. And we say, look at this big, big band. It's coming to the church. We should come hear it. To try to get the secular people back into church. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but the secular people don't care about Toby Mac. Like, I love Toby Mac. He's an awesome guy. But... To the secular world, you're just a 50-year-old white rapper. Much love, bro, but seriously, the secular world doesn't care about that. As if we think that what we do, we, we try to take Christian bands that, that they kind of look like the secular bands, and we bring them to churches, and we say, hey, you come to the bridge and see this great, awesome rock show, this great rock band, and, but we're not meeting the people where they're at. I mean, as if we can try to trick people into thinking that this is going to be a rock show or something like that, and they, they're like, it's inside of a church, it's lame, that's not what they want. Uh, we say, get your friends here, and they're here, the gospel. Bring your friends to church, and they're going to hear the gospel, where in, in reality, God wants us to be sharing the gospel. We shouldn't have to bring people to church just to hear the gospel, to make up for the lack of our discipline to do what God tells us to do, which is to spread the gospel. Now listen, all of these things are great things, though. I'm not going to say that they're bad things. I'm just saying in the context of what you use them for, I believe that God has a better plan for us. And God laid out the foundation of what he wants church to be like. And I think that we can take it. We've done some great things to add to it to kind of help reach the culture that we're at. But I don't think that's what God intended at the beginning actually intended for church to be like. So we said that Jesus' commission was to go out. Now let's look at an example. I want to look at an example in the Bible of what Jesus, when Jesus sent people out. And I want to pull two elements from that. They're going to help us better understand what it means to be on mission. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Okay, it starts off with Jesus. And he's actually commissioning his disciples. He's instructing them. He's talking to 12 disciples in Matthew chapter 10. And he's saying this, Matthew chapter 10, he's saying, all right, guys, I want you guys to go. Okay, I want you disciples to go out, and I want you guys to teach about me. I want you guys to talk about all the cool things I've done. Okay, and up to that point, Jesus had done some pretty cool things. There was a little sick girl, and he raised her up from the dead. Y'all learned about that in children's ministry last week. There was a bunch of cool things. He healed the blind man. He healed the leper. Okay, he fed like 5,000. And now he's telling his disciples, like, guys, Go out and teach people about this, okay? And he's also telling them, I want you guys to go out. I want you guys to cure the sick. I, guess I want you guys to feed the hungry. Okay? I want you guys to, to be there. And I want you guys to drive, cast out demons. I want you guys to do all these cool things in my name. 
I want you guys to go. And he said that in the first three chapters and like the last four verses, he starts talking about um, the name of the disciples. He starts naming them. Okay, so we can know who they, who they were. And we pick it up in verse 5. Here in verse 5, you can really get down to the meat of this chapter. It says this. It says, These twelve, Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was specifically targeting a certain people group, a certain community. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is near at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons, and you receive without pain, give without pay. That was his commandment. That Greek word or phrase for the word sent out. The word sent out in Greek means apostello. Apostello. But we hear the word apostle as well. We get that from there. It means set apart. To send on a mission. On a mission. Now when you think about a mission, you all think about like Mission Impossible. you think about like a, a, a quest and when we think about mission, we can kind of separate into two different ways in church culture. We can go the Christian way, or we can go the disciple way for, for mission. Now, the Christian way says that a mission is a trip that I'm going to take. I'm going to save up some money. I'm going to invest in a trip. I'm going to fly halfway across the world. I'm going to donate some time. I might paint a room. I might feed some little kids or something. And then I'm going to fly right back into my nice uh, gated community, my, my suburbia home. And I'm going to drive my car. I'm going, to, I'm going to be all nice and comfortable over here. And I'm going to just spend some time out of my day to go over to that side of the world and then come right back. Or they think a mission is this. They say, a mission is when, hey, on Sunday nights, guys, let's go feed the homeless people. As if they're like dogs or chickens or cows or something, right? I know we used to say that the ranch all the time, hey, let's go feed the cows, you know? And we say, we're going to go feed the homeless, as if we subcategorize them into a certain people group. And all in all, there's, certain, there's people like us, and mothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, sons and daughters of people, and we subcategorize them as a project. And we say, we're going to go feed them. And we get in our cars, and we drive across town. We go and we stand in line, and we serve them the cheapest amount of food we can give because we don't want to give too much because we don't want to take money from our own families. Because we might starve if we don't have our cookies that we or ice cream. And we go, and we feed the homeless, and then for an hour a week, we, we feel good about ourselves because, hey, I fed the homeless. Look at me. I fed the homeless. We think of mission as a project. The disciple way of thinking of mission doesn't even include the word mission. It changes from mission to missionary. The disciple sees mission as a reason, as a quest to become the incarnational Jesus into the world. Incarnational means to become Jesus tangible to the world. That means that the disciple says, my mission, I am now a missionary in the community around me. So that means that I'm going to go to school, I'm going to tell all my friends about Jesus, and I'm going to live my life like, like the way Jesus would. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be all about Jesus. I'm going to really focus on Jesus, and I'm going to see the people that I see every day as those of, uh, who God has called me to, to be on mission for. 
You become an incarnational Jesus to the world around you. Missional disciple-making is the same thing. Missional disciple-making involves being committed and investing in certain people groups all over, the, all over the place, wherever you're at, within homes, parks, coffee shops, bars, concerts, events, stores, and every and any location where life dwells. The disciple-making and the actual uh, missional mindset of a disciple is not a project, it is a people. So we don't look at it as feeding the homeless. We look at it as me going and living among the homeless. Me going and reaching out and building the homeless. You don't just go for a week. You go daily. You invest. This is going to sound crazy. You might actually invite one of them home. The one that you trust. Are you willing to use your home as a, as a resource to bless God with? When Sarah and I were looking for a house to buy in Corpus... We had so many options, but one of the one things we would not bend on was buying a house that would not accommodate for entertaining people and bringing people into home. That's why you can come over and eat dinner with us anytime. We bought a house big enough to where we could come and even sleep up there, upstairs or something with us. Because that was our mission. Everything we do is missional based. It's what can we do with the people around us? Now, a missionary means sent one. To be sent, someone who is sent out. And Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, much like he has sent all of us out. Now, I want to look at two things that we can kind of look at and reflect on and pray about and kind of really keep in our hearts that will help us be more missional in our mind. Because y'all know this is a missional church right here, right? Like, this ain't your... Like, there is no other church in Corpus doing church where we are. We're a missional based, we're a small community doing church and living life together. And this is one of the certain things we've got to think about when we think about how to be missional in this church. Number one, you guys are taking notes. It says, the sent one makes the message simple. Makes the message simple. Okay, verse 7 says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is near at hand. Here, here in Apex City, we kind of adopted a, a term that I, I learned when I was a firefighter, or as I go training to be a firefighter, it's the term KISS. It's the acronym KISS, K-I-S-S. It literally means keep it simple, stupid. Okay, that's, that's what it means, and that's what we do. That's how we share the gospel. We just keep it simple, stupid. Okay, don't get all wrapped up in theological debates. Don't get wrapped up in religious talk. Just keep it simple. Now, what does that look like? That looks very simple. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just go up and tell him, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Basically, God is coming. Get your stuff together. You don't got much time. John the Baptist said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus came, it was the gospel because it was the good news that the kingdom of God is coming. And the gospel is the good news because there was a way out. And we, uh, we look at the gospel and we see the fact that that is the message of God saying that, that everything is good, that everything is great. I have paved a way for you. And everything is good. And just keep it simple. Now some might say, man, I can't share my faith with people, man. Because I don't know much about the Bible. I don't know verses. I'll let you know a secret. I don't know every verse in the Bible. Like, I really don't. I know a bunch, but I know every verse in the Bible. But here's the thing. 
We talked about how God calls, uh, doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And it's okay if you don't know everything in the Bible. It's okay if you don't know the way to lead someone into that walk of Jesus. It's okay. The disciples, I don't know if you guys realize this, Jesus sent them out before his life on earth was over. Before they even really, they, 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 they had an idea he was a Messiah, but it wasn't like really confirmed yet. You know what I mean? They were like, hey, this guy's cool. I'm going to kind of follow him. He's doing some awesome things. He must be the Messiah. But then they would kind of screw up and sometimes they'd be like, oh no, Jesus, I doubt you. And, and they were all messed up. They weren't perfect yet. They were a lot like us. You know, because we, we walk with Jesus and we're doing good. Then we have a downtime and we just kind of like stop for a while. They're not perfect, just like us. And Jesus said to go out, and he sent them out, and he's telling us the same thing too. Let me tell you this. The one thing that we need to know about sharing our faith with someone is our own personal testimony. Have you ever told someone how Jesus came into your life and how Jesus saved you? Some of the most powerful witnessing, some of the most powerful ways I've seen people change, I've seen people come to Jesus, has not been through biblical uh, discussions that have been through proving them wrong in the Bible. It's been through someone saying, you know what, man? My life was jacked up before you Jesus. And now that I know Jesus, my life is straight. My life is good. I got something. I might not be perfect, but at least I have Jesus. Okay? And the, the one way that we can share our faith is just by telling our testimony. That is the most powerful thing. You know why? Because it's tangible. It's tangible. It's the kingdom of God here on earth shown through the light of us. It's tangible. So don't 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 hide behind the excuse that you don't know much about the Bible to share your faith with others. Just tell them what God did for your life. Let me tell you, you can't think about the, the, the moment when God changed your life. If that, if that, if that doesn't ring true in your, in your heart, if you don't know that moment or that, that, that time, I'm not saying about the exact minute, I'm talking about that moment, that, that time in your life where God was really transforming you and changing you, maybe you haven't really been transformed and changed. And maybe that's something you need to pray about and really look into. Because we all have that moment in time where Jesus came upon us and we were so overwhelmed by the Spirit and so overwhelmed by God that we said, I give up. I just give up. I can't do this on my own. And that story is so much more powerful than any student theological debate. So, what can we do? We can share our faith through our testimony. And if that's not enough, look at, look at this. Jesus said this to the disciples, because he's sending them out, and he's saying, guys, y'all going to go out, okay? You guys are going to go out, and, uh, oh, by the way, you might get arrested, you might get dragged before a judge, you might get brought before someone, and he says this to them, uh, in, in the light of the fact that they might get dragged before governors and teachers of law, he says this. And uh, this is through the message. He says, Don't worry about, this is verse uh, 19 in Matthew chapter 10. He says, Don't worry about what you'll say or how you will say it. The right words will be yours. The Spirit of your Father will supply your words. Don't worry about what you say or how you will say it. The right words will be there. The Spirit of your Father will supply your words. So speak with confidence. Of the work he has done in you. Alright, so the second thing I want us to know about a disciple, about being on mission, is the sent one makes compassion central. The sent one makes compassion central to the mission. 
He said this in verse 8, the very first part of verse 8. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, extend the lepers, and cast out demons. In other words, help the hurting. He said, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And that's a, that's a lot of weight on someone's shoulders, right? But if you just kind of summarize that, it means uh, go help the hurting. Now, I, this can be literal, and I firmly believe, and, and I'm very supernatural about this stuff because I've seen it before my eyes, is that God wants us to be healed. He doesn't want us to be going through sickness. He doesn't want us to be going through addictions. I believe that God can change anything and everything in your life. I firmly believe that. And if you don't believe that, then how big is your God? Because my God is big enough to do anything in this world that he wants. Okay? He can do anything if we pray for it, if he chooses it to be his will, and we can pray for it. And he's, the Bible says if you pray, if you ask, he will give to you. And I believe that if we are in sickness or in pain, that God can heal that. Either it's physical, spiritual, emotional pain. I believe that. I mean, God heals broken hearts. I believe God heals uh, broken marriages, if that is the will of, of God. I believe God can heal anything. The most shattered, broken piece of glass God can bring back to the earth. And I know that He can heal pain physically and spiritually. I see with my own eyes. One time, we were at an old house, and I just got this brand new pair of socks. It was right after Christmas, and I put these, you know, brand new socks, like really slippery, you know? They're like really slippery. And so I was walking in our house, and we just got hardwood floors, and Sarah just like swept them and mopped them, so they were like really slippery too. And I was walking, and I turned, I turned, and my foot didn't turn, but I turned, and then my foot slipped. And I feel I literally bumped my head so hard on the floor that I had a freaking golf ball sized bump on my head, and it was the worst pain I felt ever in my life. I'm not lying. It was like I was, like, you know, it's like big old ball on my head. My eye was swollen shut. It was turning purple, nasty, right? And so I'm just like freaking out. I'm yelling, screaming. Sarah's like on the phone or something. She doesn't even hear me, right? And I'm screaming. I'm yelling. It hurts so much. I'm in so much pain, right? And then like. Sarah and her, Sarah and her mom finally came over. Her mom's like a prayer warrior. Like Sarah's mom is like an awesome prayer warrior. She's not like those people that just say, I'll pray for you, and then just kind of walk away. I know she's like, I'll pray for you, get down on your knees, and she prays for you, right? And so she's really not like spiritual healing, and I'm not. Like, I was kind of like, this is like weirdo stuff. I don't believe in that stuff, right? I was in so much pain, and I literally I couldn't really move because I was just like, really hurting, and I leaned up against the wall, I was just there on the floor, like, just trying to, like, hold my pain, I was like, just give me a Tylenol, and Sarah's mom comes over, right, and she puts her hand on my head, you know, like, man, this feeling is getting weird, this is true, okay, she puts her hand on my head, and she starts praying for God to take away the pain, she starts praying for God to heal me, and I kid you not, the pain went away, like, instantly, now, you might say, oh, you're just, Whatever. No, no, I felt that. I've seen Sarah sprain her ankle. I've prayed for the pain to go away. And the redness, I literally saw it before my eyes leave her ankle. You're like, that doesn't happen in my life. It doesn't happen in your life. And maybe your life isn't lined up right. And you're righteous enough to start. You know, I'm not saying I'm righteous. I'm just saying I believe it. Like, I fully and truly believe it. And so if we truly and fully believe that God can heal all things, and we have that in our hearts, then God's going to do it. But if we hold back and we say, oh, that guy can't do that. That's not going to work. God's not going to bless you with that. Because he's not going to believe it, even if he does. 
God wants us to have an accepting heart, a heart that wants to see the glory of God manifested in your life. God wants you to, to, to sit at that and say, oh, glory to God, I, oh, that must have been the Tylenol. Do you believe it? Um, I believe he can heal spiritual and emotional feelings of pain as well. I believe no matter what you're going through, God can comfort you. I believe no matter, no matter how scary it is in your life, how much pain you're going through, I believe God can heal that. Uh, Psalm 147 verse 3 says this. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 147 verse 3. Turn your Bibles, look it up on your phone, like right now, like seriously, it's not an option, just do it right now. Psalm 147 verse 3. As you guys are turning, I'm going to read this to you, okay? It says this. It says, He heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. Now, what I want you guys to do in your Bibles, whether it's an actual tangible Bible or you have it on your version on your phone, I want you to make a note of this right now. I want you guys to stop and think about the people in your life who are hurting right now. If it's you, put your name on there. If it's someone else, write their names on there. Make a note. You know, on your version, you can make a note. Copy the scripture, make a note. Write some people's names on there right now. Like, seriously, do it. Like, do it. Okay, you're doing it. Okay. So in your mind, or whenever you get time to do that, in your mind, write down the name of the people that you know are hurting right now. And what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to commit to this this week. Is I want you guys to pray for these people every day this week. You're like, oh, I don't pray. I don't have time to pray. You got time to eat breakfast. You got time to go to the bathroom. You got time to read the newspaper. You got time to look at the internet on Facebook. You got time to pray. So I want us to pray for these people. I already got some names written down that are going through my head right now, too. Those were this last night. I want you guys to truly pray for these people. Like, truly pray. Like, I don't do that. Start. Try it. It's awesome. Really pray. Believe that God's going to heal them. Believe that God's going to change them. Believe that God's going to comfort them. Believe that God's going to make that change in their life. If it's you, pray for that for yourself. But your friends, anyone in your life that you know that is hurting, going through pain, pray for them. Really pray for them. And I want you guys to see what God does. I really want you guys to see what God does for that. Like I watched that video earlier before service started, and the statistics from the video are staggering. All the suffering and the hunger in the world, the fact that people are living with less, no food, no water, and we can cure hunger, everyone will just step up and do their part. Y'all know that's not a government problem. No, that's a church problem, right? Hunger is not a problem of government. It's a church problem. Homelessness is not a government problem. It's a church problem. The church would just step up and do everything God has commanded us to do. We wouldn't have hunger at all. We wouldn't. Like, honestly, we would not have hunger. Um, but, you know, looking at the video, all these statistics are staggering. And all over the world, there is suffering. There is suffering all over the world. And God wants to have a compassion heart and a compassion central to our mission. And you might say, like, Man, well, I want to, I want to help that, but I don't really, I don't know how to make that really happen. I don't have time to go across the world to do like a big mission trip. I want you guys to know this today: is that the next part of verse eight tells us a little bit, uh, a little something into that. It says, "You receive without pain, give without pay. You receive without pain, give without pay." In other words, you have received free of charge, so give free of charge. In other words, give freely. Give a lot. Give to the mission of God. Because compassion is central in your life. 
Because your mission is compassion-centered. You should be willing to give freely because God has given you everything. You might hold back and say, I can't give. I, don't, I, I can't give financially. I, I just can't give. But, but God said, I have given you everything. And now I ask you to give everything back and give something and trust in me. We can trust God with our eternal salvation, but we can't trust God with our checkbook. Problem there. Big problem there. We want to trust Him as our Savior, but we don't, we don't want to trust Him as our Lord. Big problem there, guys. And he's saying this right here. It's clear. He says, you're received for your charge. You received everything for your charge. You don't deserve it. I gave it all to you. Now give it back. Give free of charge. And I go, how do I do that? I want you guys to know you guys are already doing that. If you guys are giving to the offering here at, at Impact City, your money is going to help people all over the world. So I want to talk about, you, know, you might, it doesn't really make it tangible to you guys. And I don't have a picture of her. I really wish I did, but I want to talk about this little girl that you guys are helping out. And you're like, what are you talking about, Felix? Well, I don't know if you all knew this, but part of our church, part of the funds of our church, go to help a little girl in Honduras. The west side of Honduras, to be exact. Her name is Sarah Michelle. I can't pronounce her last name. I'm not even going to try. Okay? Sarah Michelle is a child that we sponsor here in Impact City. She is uh, going to be four years old this April 18th. Um, she's a beautiful little girl. And um, you guys want to see a picture or have a picture of her on my phone. She... Um, She's a sponsored child from World Vision. We team up with World Vision. My family sponsored a child. Uh, her name is, his name is uh, uh, Gerardo. He's from Mexico. He's two years old. Cute little kid. I wrote him an email last night just telling him I was praying for him. There's a family over here in Corpus that loves him and is thinking about him. And we send him financially support every month. And the church does that too with Sarah. The church, all of our support, uh, a certain percentage of it goes to Sarah every month. He's like, well, what does that have to do with being missional? That's being missional. That's part of being missional. That's giving freely. Because what kind of a church would it be if we just hoarded up all the money just to put it back into this building or just save it to build a bigger building? No, we want to give out more. Like, we're not going to grow unless you give out more. God doesn't grow unless you put stuff out. And God's not going to grow you unless you trust Him and give out more. You gotta trust in God to get to get some. And so that's what we're doing. We're trusting God. We're giving to world vision and we're, we're supporting this little girl. Why? Because compassion is centered in our life. As a church, compassion is centered. Why do we give sacrificially to the women's shelter? Why do we do all these great things to the women's shelter? Because we care about the women at the women's shelter. I call them up to room. How y'all doing? Is there anything y'all need? What can what can we do for you? Why do we give so much to the inner city churches? And why do we team up? Y'all know that it's not normal for a new church to team up with a church across town that can barely afford to pay for its own rent. Y'all know that's not normal, right? It wasn't about money for Impact City Church. It was about the relationship with, into the inner city. That's not normal. People were talking about that. We're going out and reaching out to the inner city. We're going out and reaching out to the communities here around us. Why is it that we spend... Buku's of money on investing in people that we hardly even know, and they probably won't come back, but we've invested in seeds. And why do we do outdoor movie nights? Why do we do that? Why do we bust our tail to do that? In 30 degree weather, they came out of nowhere. 
Why? Because compassion is centered. Because we love those people. We want to see those people change. We don't do it for ourselves. We want to see those people change. This morning, I opened the garage door, and what did I see? Rain. The church planter's worst nightmare. Rain. I could have said, you know what? Cancel church. We ain't going to do church anymore. No. Compassion is centered. We, 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 we pack up in the rain. We load up. We come over here. Week after week, we build this. Because why? It's because one, it helps us to connect and, and grow together. But we have compassion for those people who are outside the doors when we invite people. Because we want to invite people to church and bring them into something that, that they recognize. This is why we struggle and we bust our tails to do this. For compassion. So I ask you this. What's your compassion? What's in your heart? What's really centered on your heart? And what are you doing to help that compassion? What are you doing to help that out? We all have our limitations. We all have the things that we feel like we can't do. But the one thing we can do is just spread the gospel. And that is the greatest gift of all. So I want you guys to think about that today. Being sent out means that compassion is centered. And being sent out means that we're going to keep the message simple. So, what we're going to do now, we're going to pray. I'm going to start you guys off. You know, I don't like to give you guys something to do without actually starting you guys off. So, we're going to close out in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm not gonna, I don't know what names you have in your mind, but I'm going to pray for the names on your mind. For those people who are in your life. Now, I want you guys to do this week. Continue to pray for those people. And I want you guys to find the reasons and excuses to purposely put yourself in front of those people to share your story. How can you do that? Try it. I promise you, if you trust God, if you get off your mat and go, He will bless you for it. He will bless that person, He will bless your relationship. It all takes you doing your part. Let's pray.